Hello, my name is Joe Faulkner, and welcome to the Flexible Mind Therapy Podcast. Today we're going to take a step back to the beginning of the podcast on ASD and sexual development to provide a bit of context and scope for this series of uh, podcasts. Uh, recently, as a part of mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction for teens program that I'm completing with a client, I selected the beginner's mind as a mindful quality that I wish to work on for the week. The beginner's mind mindful quality encourages us to practice seeing things for the first time, being open and fresh, and applying a clean slate to things as a way towards attaining wisdom. As I practiced this, I thought about this series of podcasts, and I realized that I had not provided any context or scope for the discussion. I provided a bit of information on neurotypical development, as well as some of the potential factors that may impact on the development of relationships, uh, intimacy, gender identity, and sexuality for individuals with ASD, but I didn't feel like I provided enough context for this discussion. Today's podcast will hopefully begin to provide a bit more of that context. In April of 2017, I presented on the topic of working with issues related to relationship, gender identity, and sexual development in individuals with autism spectrum disorders at the Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health Conference, Annual Conference. Uh, one of the questions that was left unanswered for some people was why I, as a speech-language therapist, was interested in and presenting on this subject. I've been a speech-language pathologist for 25 years now. Uh, I've worked in a variety of environments, including nursing homes, hospitals, pediatric clinics, day training and habilitation centers for people with developmental disabilities, schools, day treatment centers, and most recently in private practice. I've specialized in working with individuals with autism spectrum and other neurodevelopmental disorders. In all that time, I've rarely seen a class of behaviors that cause more distress for individuals with ASD, parents, staff members, and community members than those related to sexual expression. Now, please don't get me wrong. Other behaviors certainly cause difficulties for these groups. Uh, tantrums, meltdowns, aggression, and noncompliance all create their own level of concern. Uh, they carry with them their own unique problems, worries, and unease for all involved. But none of these, in my experience, create this, the levels of dread that issues related to sociosexual development cause. Subjects like relationships and dating, sexual identity and orientation, gender identity and expression, uh, self and other pleasuring, etc., are really all emotionally related uh, terms. I'll discuss this more in podcasts on neurotypical social sexual development and on the one in, on ableism, but when we pair these already emotionally labeled terms, uh, laden terms, with other emotional laden terms like developmental disability or autism spectrum disorders, parents and professionals can experience a great deal of discomfort, fear, and uncertainty. And unfortunately, when we're uncomfortable, we tend to try to avoid or minimize the activity that we blame for our discomfort. In this case, that would be the sociosexual development of individuals with ASD. I've been part of uh, teams struggling with questions like, who talks to the young man with ASD who's masturbating in a public place? Or how do you decide whether two individuals can date, become intimate, and even marry? Or who decides what appropriate expressions of gender and intimacy are allowed in public places? And as I considered this, uh, these types of questions over the years, 
three key facts came to my awareness. In many, if not most, of these situations that occurred around sociosexuality, we were discussing individuals with ASD without their input and making decisions without considering their wishes. These actions were driven by compassion, kindness, and often with a great deal of fear on the parts of caregivers, family members, and staff members. And finally, both the inappropriate uh, social sexual behaviors that some individuals with ASD exhibited and the fear and discomfort of their caregivers, family members, and staff members had the same root cause, a lack of sociosexual training. So I did what I always do. I began reviewing articles and books on the subjects. What I found in all of these resources confirmed my own experiences and observations. There were all sorts of recommendations on how we should address these concerns. Books and programs were written and published based on many of these recommendations. And yet, for some reason, this information wasn't reaching individuals with ASD, their caregivers, family members, or other professionals. Now, I hate when there is information out there, but it isn't getting to people. So, because this has shown up in my practice over the years, and because there was a need to share this information, I committed to doing what I could to share the information that I've garnered over time. Do I consider this the definitive discussion on the matter? Uh, Not at all. Uh, I'm hoping this is the beginning of people's journey, just as I'm hoping that I continue this journey over time. I'm hoping, though, that this helps to clarify some questions for people and provide some options for answers for individuals with ASD and those who care about them. So now that I've answered the question of why I became interested in and have shared information about this subject, I want to introduce some of the topics that we'll be discussing over the next several weeks. The first areas that I will review will be related to sociosexual development for individuals with ASD and the both intrinsic and extrinsic factors that impact, impact on this development. You may ask yourself, why discuss and study all these different topics? Why can't we just get to the good stuff? Uh, for the person with ASD, if these topics describe some of the areas that you may have struggles or challenges, they may serve as areas to focus on for increased awareness and personal growth. For parents, caregivers, and other professionals, these topics may serve as additional targets for therapy, education, and or development for the individual with ASD that you're interacting with. Overall, these topics may serve as explanations for particular sets of behaviors, difficulties in expression of certain skills that have been learned, and or challenges that affect sociosexual development overall. Understanding why things may occur in a certain way or what may be missing in our current approaches that are needed by individuals with ASD to make informed decisions can help to alleviate all of our fears, eliminate the prejudices that these fears cause, and and hopefully help promote uh, healthy sociosexual development for individuals with ASD. The risk in avoiding learning about these things is that we will apply our perspectives and our biases based on neurotypical, neurotypical sociosexual development and fail to consider those unique factors that may actually underlie differences or difficulties in sociosexual development and or that we may make the information provided in sociosexual education more meaningful to these individuals. So, and I just want to clarify that last point. 
The problem is, is if we don't take these things into account, we won't be able to make that information particularly meaningful and in a way that these people can can learn. Many journal articles and books over the years have established a number of different issues that individuals with ASD may experience in social sexual development. These may include decreased sexual knowledge and understanding, difficulties with sexual desire and arousability, difficulties with gender identity development, difficulties with self and other pleasuring, misinterpretation of social rules and mores as they relate to social sexual expression, and difficulties with dating and being intimate with a partner, among many other uh, possibilities. Here's a sampling of just a few different authors' perspectives on some of the difficulties that individuals with ASD experience. Heffernan writes, Most people with autism will express the desire to be in a relationship, though many will find it difficult to to meet partners due to anxiety, sensory, social, and communication issues. Soraya uh, writes, Romantic relationships are something that many of us on the autism uh, spectrum may struggle with. They can be very complex and also very rewarding. But the process can be especially challenging for those on the spectrum. The dating world is rife with unspoken rules and expectations and can be difficult for even the most skilled among us to navigate. Add strong feelings into the mix and it can get to be pretty daunting. Jackson writes, Sex is messy. Whichever way you paint it, and a lot of people on the autism spectrum struggle to cope with that level of mess. If people on the spectrum learn from unrealistic portrayals of sex, such as pornography, then the problem is is compounded. Sex education doesn't teach you that you should keep a towel handy, or that sometimes people make weird noises during sex, or that there may there are way more fluids than you expect. It's pretty understandable that a lot of people on the autism spectrum may become disillusioned or disenfranchised with sex and become asexual through choice, a way to bow out of a confusing and strange world. There seem to be so many different rules and ways to act in terms of sexuality that nobody is told and we just have to learn them. These observations point out many of the intrinsic factors impacting on social sexual development, including social factors uh, like the unspoken rules, cognitive factors like coping with mess or uh, that uh, kind of related perfectionism that some individuals experience, sensory or regulatory factors such as the noises during sex bothering people or the mess, uh, behavioral uh, uh, factors uh, such as the, the unrealistic expect, uh, expectations due to pornography and mental health, which, are, which is related to that anxiety. These intrinsic factors may be a result of or exacerbated by a number of extrinsic factors, including uh, social isolation and or rejection. Uh, and really, uh, social means are some of the richest sources of social sexual uh, information that many neurotypical individuals have, and individuals with ASD may have less exposure or access to these uh, sources. 
Another extrinsic factor is ableism, which is a form of discrimination or prejudice against people with physical, mental, or developmental disabilities that is characterized by the belief that these individuals need to be fixed or cannot function as full members of society, which can be expressed through denial of the social sexual rights of individuals with ASD, denial of access to training, and in the past, even through sterilization. Another uh, extrinsic factor is that lack of social sexual training for individuals with ASD, and that can have a lot of different etiologies. And finally, lack of training, uh, the final uh, extrinsic factor may be lack of training for caregivers and other professionals, which can lead to the development of fear, anxiety, and ableism in parents, caregivers, and other professionals. By understanding both the intrinsic and extrinsic factors, we can better understand potential areas of need or development, as well as better design developmental opportunities, education, and or training and treatment. Now, the, uh, the second group of areas that I'll discuss will relate to approaches for understanding or addressing uh, the needs of individuals with ASD. I'll propose a tiered approach, which is like the response to intervention tiers used in educational settings to socio-sexual education and treatment. Uh, to be honest, I'm a bit of a sucker uh, when it comes to using a tiered approach, but I believe this, like many cases, lends itself very well to this type of approach. The first tier is the universal tier and relates to the educational needs of all individuals with ASD. The second tier is the secondary tier and relates to approaches and strategies for those individuals who are at increased risk for difficulties with social sexual development or at increased risk for being exploited, victimized, or sexually acting out. The third and final tier is the tertiary tier and it relates to those that have already been exploited or victimized or who have already exhibited prob problematic sexual behaviors. At each of these tiers, I'll discuss the importance of considering the unique social, cognitive, regulatory, and behavioral needs of individuals with ASD when developing strategies, approaches, and programs. I'll review and discuss evidence-based practices, including behavioral approaches and strategies, visual supports, relationship development approaches, and social cognitive skills interventions. We'll also explore topics related to gender identity, the needs of individuals with significant intellectual and cognitive delays or deficits, pornography, mental health and medication impacts on social sexual development and expression, and consent. Hopefully the podcast today did a better job of setting up the topics related to social sexual development and individuals with ASD that we'll be discussing. As always, a transcript of this podcast along with the citations and a related bibliography can be found on the FlexibleMindTherapy.com website. In addition, a flowchart can be found on my website of topics that will be potentially included in this uh, series. Thank you for joining me today.